The Meadows at Mystic Lake has modified its golf policies to follow the COVID-19 public health recommendations and welcomes you to play this award-winning public golf course. It offers a unique, challenging, and scenic golf experience. The Meadows at Mystic Lake is a full-service golfing destination, enhanced by nearby food and entertainment, including the Meadows Bar and Grill and Mystic Lake Casino Hotel. It's never too early to book a tee time or shop the pro shop. Stop in or visit GolfTheMeadows.com. That's GolfTheMeadows.com. Owned and operated by Shakopee Midwakanton Sioux Community. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Shot on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. But I think they're settling into the situations and getting used to being around one another. Um, understanding what Wes and Pete are trying to instill in them and and using their best pitches to get out. So I think that's most important when guys realize the order of their pitches and when to use them, and that's what Wes and Pete have been instilling in them. And welcome in to the latest edition of Talking Twins. Zolgad, Jake DePew, executive producer, Declan Goff. If you did not recognize the man doing the Zoom, Bill Evers, interim manager of the Twins, Rocco Baldelli, congratulations to him and his wife. Had a baby girl in the past couple of days, and so Rocco taking some time away. And uh, the Twins actually having some success, having won their last game in Tampa Bay after two losses, and then they uh, won their first couple in Cleveland. But what this really is, gentlemen, is is one thing. This is a meeting right now of the Joe Ryan fan club. That's what this has become. This is a because Declan Goff saw this guy pitch when he was a nobody with the Saints and loved him. And Jake DePew then sent me a slew of notes last night about him. And I will say this, I'm impressed. So what this has become now is the the Joe Ryan fan club. Jake, welcome to the show. What's going on? How are you guys? Good. I am a uh I'm a big big Joe Ryan fan. I would love to be in the Joe Ryan fan club if you if you're in. will allow me. A right. I think so. All I, right. I think I, I think we're we're you know on the ticket here. It's 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 Goff to Pew. I don't know, maybe to Pew and Goff. I don't know who who's president, who's VP. Whatever here, you guys but, want to but be. whatever you want. Maybe just Joe a joint. Ryan. We're just we're, we're we're joint here. We're we're combined at the hip. There is no one is not above the other. It's just the Joe Ryan fan club. It's true. I love that. I love that. I'm in. I'm all in. So so let's get to it. He's uh so just full disclosure, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. He's going to pitch Wednesday night in Cleveland, so this could all be shot to hell shortly. We don't know. Uh but Jake, just start off by telling us what you like about this kid because I will say this, when you look at the candidates who are pitching right now to be in the rotation opening day 2022, Ober for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh but Ryan looks like he definitely has the stuff and the velocity to make a very good case that he should be somewhere in that opening day rotation next spring. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So Joe Ryan to me is fascinating uh, because, you know, he really just relies on like a 92 mile an hour fastball. And, and so it's weird in today's game uh, that that's as successful of a pitch as it is, you know, I mean, everybody throws 92. Um, that's something to write home about anymore, but there's something about his arm angle and, and the deception it creates um, that that leads to a ton of swing and miss, you know? So I think, I mean, just based on what I've read about him and uh, when I talked to Wes Johnson in Boston, um, you know, it's not, it, it, it's, everybody's sort of flummoxed by this. Like Rocco, I asked Rocco about it and he was just sort of like, it, it, you know, we're, we try to figure all of this out, uh, try to look at all the numbers, but sometimes it's just a little bit of a mystery, you know? I mean, and, and so it's, it is bizarre that that this 92 mile, mile an hour fastball creates all of the swing and miss and 
and seems to just totally baffle hitters. Uh, but I think it's it's it seems to be that he throws it at sort of a three quarters arm angle um, and it doesn't sink. Uh, you know, the hitters keep waiting for it to sink and it doesn't. It, it sort of pops. It's almost it gives like a rising effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, he was massively successful pitch in, in the high minors and, and in the Olympics. We'll see if it plays in the big leagues. But based on what I saw in his first start, it, it looked really good. I mean, he was he was really pumped up in the first couple of innings, was throwing like 93, 94, uh, and then his velo came down to 91, 92. But even with that, he was getting plenty of swing and miss. Uh, there was some hard contact, for sure, and and we'll have to see, uh, you know, if that continues, uh, you know, as he faces some better offenses than, uh, than the Cubs, who we faced last week. But uh, I'm really intrigued by him. I really am, because I think anytime you have a guy that has a really unique pitch like that, uh, and, and something that like even people who do this for a living can't quite totally figure out. Like that's really intriguing for me. He Declan talked about last week, and I totally agree. He needs to develop still his secondary pitches. You know, I think his changeup is is good, um, but still needs a little bit of refinement. I think that the breaking ball is maybe a little bit far farther away, uh, and so he needs to to get there with that. But like if he can develop solid secondary pitches, that mm-hmm. fastball definitely plays. Uh, so I'm I'm excited to watch him on uh, on Wednesday night here. Do we think that that fastball um, is going to continue to play, or as teams see him more, is it go? Is that is the element of surprise? Because it seems to be a surprise. Is that going to dissipate and and cost him? I can't decide because I mean I think he's got the moxie, and I think he's got, you know he he looks like he plays the part. So it's not like oh my god, this guy, you know, this guy's overwhelmed. Not at all. But I do. But especially pro sports. You know, we've always talked about this, you guys, the adjustment to the adjustment. So it's like, I come in, I, I might surprise you, but you're professional. So you watch a ton of film and have a game plan, and then you adjust to me and eventually have some success. And now the question is, can I readjust to you? That's the one thing with that fastball that I'm curious about and goes into what both of uh, you guys said with as far as developing his other pitches. But I'm just I'm wondering how long that fastball gets him by before he has to start to mix things up because guys know exactly what that pitch is going to do. Yeah, I mean, I think the million dollar question is is once the league gets used to him and hitters have seen him, you know, a, a few times through the order or, or faced him in multiple games, will that fastball continue to to play? I personally think it will. Maybe it won't be as successful. Um, as it's been in the in the high minors in terms of the strikeout rate, but I, I think it's unique enough and and does create that that perception that it's a rising fastball, even though we know that's not actually the case. I, I just think it's so unique that it that it will continue to play. I think it'll be a really solid pitch for him throughout his career. But you're right. I mean, if 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 hitters make the adjustment and they start to figure him out, uh, then he's going to have to you know get a better breaking ball and 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 get a really solid uh, changeup to to make it in the big leagues, but. I, I don't know. I just I haven't really seen. I'm trying to think of a good comp, and like it's hard. Like I, I don't. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head that creates that sort of rising action. Who who doesn't? You know, it's not side armor like Tyler Rogers in San Francisco throws like submarine like that. You know, that's obviously a different right. category. But like a guy who throws relatively over the top or three quarters, I, I can't really think of a good comp um, in, in terms of creating that that deception and that that. Uh, vertical movement with the with the fastball, so I, I think it'll play for sure. Um, but again, like I think whether he'll be a successful reliever or depends on development of those secondary pitches. W- what do you think? Max? Yeah, I 
I like to think that you can get by with a deceptive fastball, which is what he has. Uh, I have a little bit of trepidations on him being a full-time starter unless he really just develops a, a, a good secondary pitch. I think maybe even a comp, and, and maybe some Twins fans would be a little disappointed by this comp, but it, he, I think worst case, it turns into Trevor May or Tyler Duffy. I think worst case, he turns into a pretty high leverage, decent reliever, um, maybe not Josh Hader status, maybe not a Royalist Chapman status, but that second tier of guys who can get fireman outs in the eighth or ninth inning when you need them. Um, I think that's his floor. Uh, if if he can develop into something that is a legitimate starter who has good secondary pitching and has a deceptive fastball, great. Um, I'm curious to watch him develop over the next uh, a month here or so. He's probably the most exciting. Yeah, Bailey Ober is probably in pencil to make this rotation. Joe Ryan's in pencil to make this rotation. But in terms of things to get excited about, which I, I hope to God we're excited here in four or five months after whatever offseason moves happen, in terms of spring training uh, storylines to watch, it probably Joe Ryan, even bef- even after the, the flurry of moves, if, if any happen or trades happen, that's probably one or two on the spring training watch list for 2022 is where does he fall on the opening day roster and does he make... Uh, the rotation and on opening day. So how, how much of this pitching right now that's here, do we think is here opening day? Um, Ober's here. I think Ryan's here, but I mean, how, you know, how, how much of this both starting rotation and the bullpen, how much do we think is going to actually be here uh, next spring when the twins, you know, and I'm going to go off on a ledge here or out on a ledge and assume that there is going to be an opening day. But how much do we think of what currently resides as far as the arms go with this franchise is going to be here with the big league club? I think if you look at the current roster, I don't think there are that many, honestly, that are going to be on the opening day roster in 2022, again, assuming there there is baseball. Um, I, I think, like Dex said, Bailey Ober, for sure, he, he's really been impressive. And we can talk more about him. He's, he's, to me, pretty much a lock, assuming he stays healthy for the rotation. I think Joe Ryan is probably in there. Other than that, it, I don't know that there are any starters on the big league roster that are going to be in that rotation. Maybe resign Pineda. Um, but I, I think they're going to have to sign a couple of guys in free agency. Hopefully some of these prospects like Belazovic and, and Duran and, and Winder and others uh, will eventually be there. I don't know that they'll be in the opening day rotation. So I don't think there's many on the starting front as far as the bullpen. I mean, obviously Taylor Rogers uh, and, and I think they'll, They'll pay Duffy in year three of arbitration. He'll probably get three and a half to four million. I would for sure. Uh, other than that, I mean, I don't think they're going to pick up the option on Colomay. <laughs> Colomay, I'd be I hope not. I, I'd be very Better surprised not. if they did that. Yeah, I mean, I guess Jorge Alcala will probably be here. Um, I may be missing someone, but honestly, I, I, Luke Farrell, I guess you know, has been good in limited action. But there's there's going to be a lot of turnover, a lot. Um, and maybe some of those starting pitching prospects like Winder end up in the bullpen eventually, but uh, they've got a ton of work to do in terms of filling out a pitching staff. And I just don't really see how they get there in terms of being competitive in 2022 uh, without making a trade for pitching. I I think they have to trade some position player, whether it's Max Kepler, uh, Buxton. Again, I I don't think they should do that, but they could trade him for pitching. I think they're going to have to trade somebody for pitching because they just don't have enough right now to compete. That, that's my question as far as starters go. Who do they target? I mean, because they've got to get somebody. Uh, Barrios is obviously now in Toronto. Maeda is not going to pitch in 2022. My question is, who do they target? And that, of course, is going to then correspond to the price that has to be paid. But, I mean, I you know, I don't think you can. I'm, 
this whole thing these last couple of years of, well, we'll sign, uh, we'll go get a Rich Hill, and then we'll get a Homer Bailey, and then we'll get a Jay Happ, and now we'll get a Matt Shoemaker, and it'll make it, you know, they'll be the back end. I think you got to make a splash move. And here's why, too. And this is not perfect, but if you guys think about this, the interest in this team, assuming that they start next March, is going to be almost zero. So, like, season tickets, um, we're still coming out of and are sort of in and out of a pandemic now. Um, There's a ton of competition among sports teams in this town. So if you're the Twins and you're just like, we're going to stay the course and build something new, that's not going to get you fans at all. And so I think that there is some, just from a business perspective, some inherent pressure to make a move that at least can give people the the perception that they're going to be competitive and not just you know a dumpster fire again next season. I, I agree with you, but it's really hard to see them outbidding the Yankees and Dodgers and Red Sox and teams like that for somebody like Max Scherzer. You know, like, I agree with that. But what about a trade? But I'm I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying, no, 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 I'm with you. They're not going to outbid clubs, but what they can do is, is they could make a significant impact move. And I'm not saying it has to be a top five ace, but I am saying it has to be some type of semi splash. Cause if you just go out and are like, we're staying the course and doing what we do, target field's going to be empty. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're running out, um, you know, just a bunch of kind of depth guys or, you, you know, maybe you sign a Michael Pineda type. You're right. That's that's not going to create any sort of splash that, you know, watching Bailey Ober and, and Joe Rock excite baseball nerds like like us. But it's not going to bring fans out to target field. So, yeah, I mean, I think making a trade for pitching is is the smart way to go. Uh, but they're going to have to give up a lot. You know, maybe it's a Royce Lewis, maybe it's it's Kepler, maybe it's another one of these big time prospects. But, you know, you look at the price of that the Blue Jays paid for Barrios. You know, if you want to get somebody of Barrios's caliber, they're going to have to give up probably two uh, top 100 prospects or at least one top 100 and one borderline top 100. So far, they haven't really shown a willingness to do that. But I agree with you. I think if you want to bring fans back and you want to make a run at least at a wild card, you're going to have to do something like that and take a risk and give up some prospects. Dex, your thoughts on that? I don't know if they're going to be able to pull off a big trade. You can maybe like pull off some savvy move or something. But to me, it's with with the mid-tier free agents that are out there and starting pitching, I think Jake and I talked to this a couple weeks ago and it was just him and I. And I mean, like James Paxton, Danny Duffy, like those are the guys they're going to target. And I know that no, stinks. Gonna... That's not exciting. No, no, no. I know. I get that. But I mean, a trade. But in a trade, like, I don't know who that is. I would have made that move last year. Like, I'm not going to make an impact trade for someone when I know I'm not going to do anything. I, I would I would much rather roll the dice, see what I have internally, and hopefully you build out your rotation from there and one or two guys sticks in 2023, 24 when you can you know, hopefully return to competition and you patchwork it with, with Paxton's and Danny Duffy's because there's no point. Like, unless you're getting someone back that is really damn good. I don't think there's any much of a point to be trading a top 100 prospect for a, a losing baseball team. I'd much rather just patchwork it and, and mostly stay the, stay the course if you're the Twins and just kind of rebuild right now. And, and just real quick to piggyback off of that, because I agree, I think if you're going to make a trade like that, it has to be for somebody who's controllable for a long time. Like there's no point in trading for a guy who's going to hit free agency in 2023 or, or whatever. Like if you're going to trade prospects, you need to get back a starting pitcher or a couple of starting pitchers that you're going to have control over for five to six years. Like getting a a short-term guy um, who's going to be here for one or two years doesn't do anything because like Dex just said, I mean, 
it's very unlikely they're going to be competitive in, in 2022. So, so don't give up assets unless you're getting somebody back who's going to be there once this rebuild turns into competitive teams. And that's the type of trade that very well could involve, at least in the discussions, Byron Buxton. If they decide that they're not going to bring him in back, you could still, I mean, for all he's hurt, you could still make him the marquee centerpiece of a significant trade that gets you a guy like that, I think. Um, that's not going out on a huge limb to say that there's going to be some teams who, who say, well, the, the odds are he's not going to continue to get hurt and, and we'll also pay him. Uh, but the price for him in return would be fairly significant. And that's like the type of trade where I could see you getting a pitcher back who's controllable, who's good, not just some, you know, slappy, like Dex said, you know, you, you go out and get James Paxton, who's been hurt now. That doesn't move anything for you. I mean, that's just another, that's just another, hey, we'll cram this guy in our rotation and hopefully it works. And most of the time those moves don't really work. Right, exactly. And and you're right that Buxton would get you um, somebody who you, who, who you really feel good about uh, and is controllable. It's just... I just wouldn't give up on Byron Buxton. I've, I've said this all season. I just, I, I think he's too talented and too, um, he's just such a, such a remarkable player. And I really do think some of his injuries at least have been fluky. And I think if you're going to win a world series and that should be the goal, right? You're not going to win a world series next year, probably, but if you're mm-hmm. going to win a world series in 23 or 24, it's more likely that Buxton is going to be a part of that. Uh, then, you know, if you trade, him. Uh, you, you know, like I, I just think your uh, your chances go down of winning a World Series when you trade Byron Buxton, even if you get back a good starter. Like he's just he's so dynamic. And I, think I agree. The, the only yeah. way you get there is if he's playing in October and playing well. OK, you you've got a rant. What are you upset about with the twins now? Because there's plenty for 2021 to be upset about. Yeah, so we, we've had the, the front office all all year on uh, guys that they've let go. But I'm going to go on one more rant about this. So um, I, I wanted to look at guys who um, would still be on the team this year. Like, So I'm not talking about guys like Ryan Presley. So they traded Ryan Presley in 2018. Uh, the, the Astros eventually signed him to an extension, but he would have been eligible for free agency. I wanted to just look at guys who, if they had just simply kept them in the organization, would be on this year's team and contributing and doing well and and cheap, right? Making the minimum with most of these guys. So if you look around the league, Tyler Wells, who they gave up, uh, they let go in the Rule 5 draft, he's been amazing for the Orioles. Uh, he's got an ERA of 3.29, striking out almost 11 guys per nine, very few walks. He just mowed down the Yankees in back-to-back games at Yankee Stadium over this past weekend. He's He would be their best reliever maybe outside Taylor Rogers, who's hurt. Uh, they gave him away for nothing, right? Rule five. Uh, Zach Littell, they DFA'd him last year. Uh, didn't make any effort, I don't think, to, to re-sign him. The Giants signed him to a minor league deal. He's one, He's been one of their best relievers. He would probably be, again, second or third best reliever on this Twins team. And again, would be making 600000 a year or so, right? Very cheap. Nick Anderson. They didn't give a 40-man spot to him a few years ago. He'd still be making close to the minimum. I know he's been hurt, but he was maybe the best reliever in baseball last year. Then you look at the starting rotation, where they obviously have a, a ton of gaps to, to fill. Luis Hill and Wascar Enoa have both been phenomenal. Luis Gill hasn't given up a run in 15 and two-thirds innings for the Yankees, and, and he's starting again tonight. He's been incredible. He's like 23. Uh, he would be a foundational piece, and so would Enoa, uh, who uh, has a, a 
uh, yeah. around 3.2 uh, for the Braves, uh, has a B, uh, baseball a B war of, of over two. He's been incredibly good for them. He'll be in their playoff rotation. They, they traded him uh, in the Jaime Garcia deal. You know, they got one start of Jaime Garcia for Luis, uh, for uh, Oscar Enoa, um, and and uh, Luis Hill, by the way, was traded for Jake Cave. These would be two absolute studs that would be on your team and controllable and not even close to arbitration, right? Like all these guys. And then the position player side, we've talked about Akil Badu and Lamont Way Jr. all year, but both of those guys, again, wouldn't even be at, in arbitration. They'd be making basically the minimum uh, and have been fantastic. Uh, for for the Tigers and the Giants, respectively. So that's that's seven guys right there, seven guys who would be among the best players on the Twins who you'd have for years to come, who would be cheap, controllable, uh, and they gave all of them away for nothing. I mean, they got no major league assets in return for those guys, nothing. Um, the only thing they got uh, was – uh, uh, in uh, one of the tra- uh, so the Waskari Noah trade, um, they traded him to get Garcia, and then they traded Garcia, and they eventually got Zach Lattell and Dietrich Enns back. Uh, but then they DFA'd both those guys, and now they're pitching well for other organizations. So, like, it's just you know, you're, you're looking at a rebuild here in part because uh, you've given away just given away for nothing a number of really good players who are having success uh, throughout the league. It's just a, a really bad look for the front office. The inability to identify what is quality pitching really scares me too, because that's the whole thing, right? Like they're going to identify pitching and now, and now we're like, well, give it more time and then guys will come up. But when you go through a list of pitchers who have, who basically have been jettisoned and become successful elsewhere, I say to myself, okay, but I thought the whole point was to be for the, for Falvey and Levine and company to identify these guys and keep them not get rid of them. So that's what that's what really concerns me is like the whole calling card is out the window in that sense when you look at the amount of pitchers who they basically put almost in in lots of cases from what you just said Jake no value on and just said simply they're not worth keeping. I mean that's a to me that's a major red flag when you came here with the notoriety of being really good and coming from a club in Cleveland in Falvey's case where identifying, developing, and cultivating pitching, especially guys that other teams were dismissing, was incredibly important. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say that they have a self scouting problem. You know, I mean, if you look at at Tyler Wells and and Akil Badu, who they both lost in the Rule Five, you know, people say, "Oh, it's the Rule Five, like it's totally random, like you you rarely see that happen." Well, you know who did see something in those guys? The Tigers and the Orioles, and I get those Absolutely. are. Really- I get they're rebuilding teams, uh, and it's easier to take a flyer on guys when you're a rebuilding team. But still, they saw enough in those guys to to take them in the Rule 5 and give them a, a spot on the 26-man roster. And so when you have other teams that are evalu- you know, seemingly evaluating your, your talent better than you, um, that's a big problem, you know, and that's something that needs to be fixed within the organization. All right, last question. What was, for both of you guys, what was your favorite Andrelton Simmons moment of the past week? Because while he's not in the lineup tonight on Wednesday, he certainly has been in the lineup a lot. What was your watching this unbelievably solid shortstop that can barely hit uh, playing on a team where he has no business being on? What was your favorite moment of the past week? Jake, you start us. <laughs> My favorite moment of the past week. Um, I guess, I guess when I, Tweeted out yesterday that uh, that why are they why are they starting him and then a, a couple hours later he got two hits and a walk, um, <laughs> but 
but but no, but like I, I really don't. I, I again, Andrelton Simmons is a great defender, a fantastic defender, but there is no reason that he should be taking at bats from Nick Gordon. I just I've gone on this rant a million times, but it doesn't make any sense to me. Like to me, it basically says they don't believe in Nick Gordon at all, and they're not even willing to give him September at bats you know, in a meaningless game, consistent September at best. And he's done fine. You know, his numbers aren't great. And there's plenty to question, you know, whether he can be a long-term, uh, you know, part of the solution. Uh, but, you know, I-, I think he's done enough to warrant at least a look in September. And unless you're going to re-sign Andrelton Simmons, which I don't think they're going to do, uh, I it just, that that one really baffles me why, why they're giving him everyday at bats. Again, you want to keep him on the roster to start him when Bailey Ober or Joe Ryan is starting. That's fine. I get that. But they started him yesterday when John Gant was on the mound. Like, how does that make any sense? So I, I, I yeah, Dex, your favorite, your favorite Andrelton moment. Yeah, it's pretty easy. It was not watching him. That was, uh, that was my favorite moment is I don't have to watch him anymore. Uh, I, I refuse to watch him. And I don't know why he's on the team. I thought you were going to ask what my favorite moment of Simmons was. And it was, oh, when he signed here. That was my favorite Andre Elton Simmons moment. Because ever since then, it's been completely downhill. And he's useless on the offensive side. And when you're bragging about defensive runs saved for a last place ball club, that's like bragging about the janitor at, at, at the circus, dude. I don't care about that. That, that, that provides no value into, 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 into band-aiding over what has, ha- what has happened to this ball club over the last 140 games in all season. No way. My favorite memory is not watching him. I refuse to. Jake brought up the thing I don't get. So the, the Twins defense, no pun intended, is, well, he's really good defensively, and when, you know, we've got a young pitcher, our pitching, our pitching benefits from him. And I'm with Jake. If you're pitching Ober or Ryan or a young pitcher who you, you have high hopes for and want to build their confidence, play him. But John Gant gets him? Like, what are you doing? You don't care if John Gant gets hammered. He's probably not – well, he might be back, but it, if he's back, it's probably going to be in some type of bullpen role. He has no long-term future, as far as I can tell, as, as a starter. So what are you even doing? Like, what, what's your – what? it makes no sense. And tonight, it makes sense. Gordon at second, Polanco at short, which, by the way, you can get by with now. I was only concerned about Polanco, like in playoff games, where he made that brutal play against the Astros last year. I'm not concerned about an arbitrary game in September when you're a last-place ball club in Cleveland. So I I just, like, it doesn't even track or make sense about why they're continuing to play him as much as they are. And, of course, it makes no sense why he's here. But, I mean, that's one of the great mysteries to me. There's a lot of mysteries about 2021. That's one of them to me, the whole thing. The whole thing, well, he should play, and it helps our pitchers. You don't care about most of your pitchers. That's evident. So, end of rant. Yeah, no, I, I it it doesn't make sense to me at all. Um, real quick, shout out to commenter TC. Uh, he asked for a shout out on the la- in the YouTube comments of the last video. He said he made it all the way to the end, uh, uh, which which we appreciate everyone who makes it to the end. So uh, I wanted to give a quick shout out. Mr. Good stuff. If you don't, him or her, you're right. All right, gentlemen, Jake, uh, thanks. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, Declan, executive producing as always and co-hosting. We'll talk to you later. Did you know that 61% of pet owners feel more prepared to be a good pet parent after testing with Embark? Embark your dog with Embark's dog DNA test to get hundreds of actionable health insights. You can be proactive with their health and work with your vet on a personalized care plan. 
Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA. That's DNA to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today. Your story. It lives in River City, where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel, where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another, where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha, told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives.